0: Two episode two of season five before many arts. My name is always is Brian M Davis. Uh, Joining me today is an actress, activist, uh, what have you. Uh, Her name is Courtney Plum. You might know the name from various movies such as Sushi Girl, uh, Zombiivers, Silent Night, uh, Death House, and probably other films that I've probably. Can't think up off the top of my head, but you probably can. So, uh, Miss Palm, how did you Hi. get? Hi. Uh, how did you get into uh, acting?
1: Well, first, thanks for having me, and thanks everybody for tuning in and watching. Um, a lot of you know this; and some of you don't. But I grew up in Colorado, which isn't a great opportunity for people who want to do film or theater, and I. Um, played with Barbies until I was like 16 years old. And I think that's what made me feel comfortable moving into a world there that was involved with storytelling and making things up and playing make-believe. And um, my mom and I did these like crazy John Robert Powers kind of things here in Denver, which was like a huge scam. Spent thousands of money on trying to make it as an actor in Denver. It was just like I hope no one does that. So if anyone's ever heard of that place, just walk away. No agent should be taking money from you unless you're making money. Yeah, a lot of things I learned. But <laughs> yeah, so I went to um, LA when I was eighteen to go to school, and that's when I I went for theater. So I got my um, BA in theater, and then. I started transitioning into short films and the film industry there through just networking, really.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, uh, it's hard.
0: Yeah, it is hard to try and transition from film I mean, to theater, into film. I mean, I've done it a couple of times. And it's quite, I don't want to say quite easy, but it's it, its difficult because one, I do have that theater mindset where it's just like, I, I, I do miss being in behind the scenes, that sort of thing too. But when I'm on a a film stride, it's it's very fun because you get to do a lot of stuff with the span of a day. And sometimes that could be like, oh, it's just like maybe one or two scenes or it could be either, or depending on how fast the director is, like five scenes within the whole day. And it just depends on the amount of scheduling you have as both an actor or as a production artist. Uh, In terms of your BA, uh, did you have... uh, like, what was it like studying at your college?
1: It was fun. It was a really small college. It was um, in Thousand Oaks, California. And what's great about being in a small university is you actually get to be a lead actor in the in any of the plays. In other other uh, universities like UCLA or Pepperdine, you know, I auditioned there and I went to um. I toured there and they were just like, you know, it's really difficult to, to get a part in a theater program, you know, until you're a junior, senior. And when you're at a smaller university, you're able to act right away. And that's what I loved about it. So, I mean, I learned, the only thing I didn't like is all my teachers were very, they were tenured in, they were very set in their ways. They did the same yeah. entire things over and over again. And it's like can we need some fresh blood we need to like pick up the pace we need to change some things and um there were times where we did some pretty big musicals um that we rented out a big theater for and i don't sing so i was always backstage for those so it was really fun doing the quick changes or any quick makeup changes for the actors like i remember um one actor split his pants. So we had to like sew it really quick and we're like running on stage with him like hiding behind him, <laughs> sewing him as he's, like, you know, in the scene. And, and I, love, I love things like that too. You know, I think as an actor, you, you should play with multiple hats. Like you should try yeah. producing, you should try writing, you should be backstage sometimes, you know, you should understand like the craft and it's whole both theater and film because then you understand and respect everyone for their roles that they play. You know, when I was a background member, like I remember like big time actors treating me like I was crap. I actually had a, an assistant director look at me when I was in a background in one of his films. He was looking at me and he was just like so rude to me. And then later he ended up being assistant director on a big movie that I was the lead in. And I was like, hey, dude, do you remember me? you were really rude to me. Like, you know, you always should, I think, honor and respect everybody. because yeah. Without them, they wouldn't have what you have in the end. So yeah, that was fun being backstage and I don't know, theater, I love theater because you you get like that immediate response from the, the audience, you know? You oh yeah. That, that laugh or the applause or, you know, like the woo and it's really exciting. But, you know, film, you, you only get to be with the cameraman like you and the, either the camera operator, or the DP, and it's just you two together sometimes like in the most important moment of the film and that's who you're acting to. You're acting to that, that truth in the lens. And you don't get that, like, res- what you receive from an audience. So it's crazy the, the difference between the two. So, like you said, transitioning from one to the other. I know casting directors are like, oh, you're just theater. Or, oh, you're just film. Like, you you don't know how to stage act. You don't know how to film act. It's like, I don't know. People are very close-minded. Narrow-minded.
0: Yeah, I have the same as thought because at uh, Brooklyn College, even though it is an esteemed uh, college and it is an esteemed college and has a great theater department and film department, but at the same time, they would be very, I wouldn't say close, well, they would be close-minded in terms of like getting people on roles because, you know, they have essentially two programs. They have the BFA program, which is more or less hey, you know, it's more or less a conservatory at the school where it's like they have uh, X amount of actors for at least a couple of years, like maybe eight actors, and then by the time they're done, they do essentially either one show a semester. Like the, like the way I heard about it was essentially BFA pro, uh, program actors, they had more or less the top billing. So if they were going to be doing, uh, say, something like Street Caught Named Desire, one of them has got to be playing Blanche and, you know, and probably a BFA, uh, another BFA actor will probably be playing like another supporting character. That's sort the of thing. So mm-hmm. it, it's definitely one of those things where it's just like, they are idea. there are like, there are, there is flesh, there is fresh blood in this uh, theater community, especially in New York, but there are people who are still trying, who are still like, in the notion of the old ways where it's just like they want to have uh, they want to have essentially uh, brand value. It's like a great example of um, even though it closed down because of the pandemic, Beauty Juice was one of those shows that was essentially a struggling musical, right? But at the same time, it had a lot of great fan base. It was like one of those fresh new ideas, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the people behind the uh, I forgot who it is. I think it's a super company, but the people behind the theater, uh, the Winter Garden Theater, they were like, it does. it's not bringing up a good revenue, all that stuff, so what they basically did was, you know, they closed down, they said, okay, you know, you have until June to shut, well, last shut, well, shut down completely, i.e. close out the show, and then by the time it's September, we're going to do Musical Man, we're going to do Music Man with Hugh Jackman, and that's probably going to bring in a lot of revenue, so, yeah, it, it, and, mm-hmm. I've seen the same thing happen with film too. It's like there are great ideas. This is some of these id idea, well ideas. Um, ideas are not really well known because they are a lot of film. Like they aren't really like no. It's like when people think of film, it's like oh, I want to be like the next Tarantino or the next Spielberg or such and such, right? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely one of those things where it's just like you see talented people, but sometimes those talented people are kind of like not really uh, they're kind of like not really noticed that well. It's like what you just said before, where it's just like, I work with talented people behind the scenes, both on stage in theater, but also in film as well. And, you know, then not, and people are like, yeah, I don't really see myself as an actor or, or I don't see myself as a film person, but I still want to work with them in the future because they still have that eye for talent. So yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but yeah, it's definitely one of those things where it's just like, you definitely do see a lot more talent on an independent film rather than something on a very big budget thing where it's just like very formulaic, you know, strip, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you know, and sometimes when they do bring someone who is a independent, uh, like an independent filmmaker, all that stuff, and they have them do a big budgeted movie thing, nine times out of ten it could work. But there is that one time where it's like they, you know, they are, they're the fan base of that one thing that doesn't really like it. So it's 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 very difficult to talk about. You know, what is what is fresh and what is, you know, what is fresh when there's a lot of people who are still with that older mindset of like they want to keep everything still to that, you know. I'd rather just have it as that. So yeah. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned LA and I feel like LA has always been uh one of those things that has always been like talked about but really hasn't been experienced unless because I, I I've have friends is like, Brian, you need to go to L.A. for a week, be, <laughs> play for a week, actually be on auditions, not like these New York auditions where it's just like, oh, they just see you for like five minutes and you leave and then you just walk where, wherever in New York City.
1: <laughs>
0: what is it like in L.A.? Because I know it's like L.A. is like like a whole different beast. So what is it like in L.A. in terms of not only auditioning, but also just like film in general?
1: L.A. is crazy, like it's definitely, I mean I've only been to New York a few times for a film premiere of mine, uh, two film premieres of mine, and I spoke with some locals there and it's just, it is a different world, L.A. is sort of segregated in ways that like Hollywood is mostly film, downtown L.A. is mostly um, modeling, uh, print work for like auditions and then yeah. Like, yeah. let's say towards the, the West Coast, like let's say Santa Monica area, Beverly Hills, you get some film auditions there, mostly commercial, mostly print, mostly modeling. So really you go to the studios that are in Studio City or um, Hollywood um, and you know all over Manhattan Beach. So there's all these studios that you can go to audition. And then there's like these independent little areas that you can audition at as well. Um, but, I mean, you could be in someone's apartment auditioning. You could be at a big studio lot auditioning. Um, HBO has its own little area. So there's all these, they're all, it's so separated and so segregated. So it's like, it's just, if you, I guess not segregated, perfect, but like it's separated by highways. Yeah. Time. Yeah. If you want to go to an audition, you know, in New York, you're probably taking a train. But when you're in LA, you're, you're sitting in hours of traffic. You, you get ready for an audition and then you sit in three hours of traffic till you get there. It's just it's yeah. crazy. And then you get there, everyone looks like you obviously and you're just sitting there and you're in and out super fast. And if you're lucky enough, you can make a connection with certain casting directors and they'll call you and actually give you time. And you're in the room for more time. They give you direction. You can change it, it up or, or do something different with them. But if they don't really know who you are They don't really care. They don't give you the time of day. And half the time, you're not even meeting with the head casting director anyway. You're meeting with their assistant. And their assistant doesn't care. Like, honestly, it's crazy. I don't want to say this if any casting director ends up watching this. But, like, it really does feel like they're just, I know the names I want. Those are the names that I'm going to give time to. The names I don't know are going to come in. And I'll just humor them. You know, or I'm just like, okay, whatever, you're done. Like, it feels... It feels really um, bare, Like there's no connection there. It just feels weird. But when you're auditioning, let's say for like independent films, that's when I have the most fun. That's when directors and producers actually give a shit. That's when they yeah. actually like yeah. take time with you. And you actually can do the job that you're there to do. You actually feel human. You feel like an artist. You, you actually produce your best work. I mean when I auditioned for the some really big roles these big studios I, I just felt like like I had no soul and same with commercial auditions I just felt weird like I didn't feel like like there was like this love for the craft and that's why I also love theater auditions because you're on the stage and you're just you're in that that realm that you're comfortable in and they give you an allotted amount of time you know you actually get your time and so i appreciate that so it is weird it's a diff it is a weird animal there yeah but everything's all self-tape right now at least for me so it's a little easier because then you can like (laughs) redo it a bunch of times if you're not happy but then you get in your head so you're not really prepared but
0: yeah i it's weird because sorry to cut you off but it's weird okay uh it's it's weird because you know previously i've had help people you know in the past self-tape and this was like way before the pandemic really hit and it's like it's weird because self-taping is like oh it's like you know it's you're there someone's reading the thing for you you know that sort of thing as opposed to being in an audition room where it's like almost the same thing but it's like it's weird because you know it's like it's like what you just said before, you're kind of like eyeing for the same part, but it's like and you're kind of like almost similarity to a few other people. It's like maybe it's like turn your other right, there's like someone who like like someone else, but oddly looks like you. So it's like it it's like weird about like that. But when you're doing the self-taping, it's like much more calm, much more relaxed, like you have your you're in your own element. So mm. it's weird how a couple of years ago, where it's like, oh, it's self-taping was just like one of those things where it's like... Yeah, it's just like one of those things where an, an actor has a lot of time on their hands, but the casting director probably doesn't have a no- enough time to do an actual audition in front of people, so there's like, hey, just send me a, a self-tape, that sort of thing. I could easily just go like, okay, uh, these tapes were good, yeah, that just would be so sad, maybe, and then
1: yeah, well that's that's the hard part because when you do a tape, sometimes they can just be like right away they see your face and they say no. So you don't even get an opportunity to show yourself when it's a self tape. Because then they can just click off right away.
0: Yeah. And you know,
1: one of my friends who's a little bit more well known than I am, she told me that there are like different tiers for auditions. And sometimes, you know, there'll be this upper tier for the people who are more well known who will obviously have more of a chance and even above them are the people who already got offers so those people who got offers then the upper tier then i come in then other people come in so it's sort of like this where are you on this spectrum where how big of a name are you do you have the right look kind of thing and if you don't even have that you know the casting is not going to give you the time of day and I'll yeah. actually go into yeah. auditions like I remember auditioning for I think it was an HBO show and I walked in and there was headshots all on the wall. And there was a headshot and underneath her name was the character name that I was auditioning for. And I was like, she either got the part or she's their offer, but I walk in there and I see it right away and I'm like, oh shit, And now I have to audition <laughs> like I feel <laughs> worthless. So like you said, when you just do a self-tape at home, you don't have that, the inhibitions. You don't have those like feelings of limitation. You don't have that self-doubt because you've seen other pretty girls in the room or well-known girls in the room that you know from shows that you watch and or their freaking picture on the wall. So it's self-tapes are a little bit more fun that way. But then again, are they even watching? it?
0: Yeah.
1: With COVID, I, think they
0: are. I mean, I, I think As a casting director, and I've done casting director for like, for like my own little, uh, for like producing my plays and stuff like that. You know, it's it's fun to watch and interact with people who are essentially, who I've dealt with people who aren't really trained actors who actually do give a good read and stuff like that too, and actually do take direction. So I'm like, okay. They may be good in the, in the future, even if they aren't like a trained actress or an actor. They know how to, you know re, they know how to uh, read a script, and they know how to like at least say the lines correctly, that sort of thing too. And as casting director, it's it's still hard to do because it's like, you know, uh, you could be seeing at least maybe twenty people that day, and then it's like, okay, I have to take at least two of these 20 people and it, it's like very hard because you know it's like at the end of the day it's like it's like the same thing it's like with um it's like you have these uh what's called? headshots and you just going through the headshots and you're just trying to go by memory it's like did this person give me good performance on that stuff did this person give a good performance it's it it's weird how essentially casting directors, you know, you know, they're the ones who essentially are, essentially, creating the movie by getting that cast ready. But at the same time, it's it's I want to say it's a little stressful job because you know that they're, they're essentially, they they're essentially the, the, they're essentially the blueprint to what of the people who are going to be going on to the films. Like, and of course there are other people who it's like what you mentioned before is like that upper tier of that. Oh, it's like oh, he's in this. Oh, he's in this. Okay. Or he's that sort of thing too. And then there's that little midway of, you know, people like people who are kind of like used to like all this stuff. And then there are people who are like very new to this stuff. Mm -hmm. People who are new to this stuff, they really don't understand that the process of all that stuff, they just figured, oh, you know, it's like go into this thing and then get my headshot taken. And then go to do all that stuff you know it's 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 weird you know it's like i remember what was it uh eight or so years ago uh the dark Knight rises was being filmed in new york city right it was a big thing i went to do a one of those like one day uh you know one day you know like we just said before uh be a background actor right mm-hmm. i knew how this all worked and you know i didn't get a call back the only thing i heard a call back was uh when HBO was doing some other show at the time, and it was like, "Hey, we need actors," and like, "Do you want to do it?" I'm like, I didn't even know what they were talking about. So again, I still, you know, there are still people who are new to this who really don't understand like the 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 that business side of you know casting, uh, especially on the casting side, especially on the audition side too. Mm-hmm. There are people who are just like kind of used to it, and they're like, "All you know, right," and it's like, "Will today be the day where like?" Will they finally say, okay, you know, we'll finally say, eh, you know what, we don't want to use this actor. Let's just try something new.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you want them to say that ideally, but it's just, you know, I've, I've seen on the other side of it how much I'm worth, and I'm not worth enough money for some films. So I have some casting director friends who are like, Courtney, I loved you. You were great. They loved you. You were great, but you're not pulling in enough money. So unfortunately, I have to pull in this actor and this actor and this actor. He's like, that's not my choice of actors, but they pull in more money. They have a yeah. better name. And and I was just like, okay, I, I understand, you know? So it works sort of for me for the horror film and films because I have more of a pull there. Yeah. So I, I understand when it comes to other films or TV, when, when it comes down to that. Like I have a friend too, who's a really talented stunt actress. And she's been turned down by agent or uh, casting directors and producers all the time because they see her as a stunt performer, not as like the lead actress. Yeah. And she's and she's so good. She's really talented. So it's really frustrating to see that. It's just like, well, how can we shift this paradigm? How can we make this different? But it's, you know, you see Will Smith. You're gonna grab Will Smith. You're not gonna grab the no name actor who just came out of, you know, wherever and is an amazing actor, you're not gonna pick him, period. You're gonna pick Will Smith. And that's the problem is, that's when we get shoved into these little indie roles that maybe not ever see the light of day. And they're really good movies. You have really good teams, really good cinematographers. And I know some really talented writers that just can't even get a script sold because they have the the producers and executive producers, they have piles and piles of scripts from people who are already established and well-known. So it's like this catch twenty two. It's like this never ending cycle. And what do you do? You know, I think that's why I have many people turn to YouTube or, you know, Instagram has helped people. Yeah. Start to get a fan base or a following. It to me, it just seems like it's been that way since the golden age of Hollywood, with people getting contracted into the studios and they were just doing picture after picture after picture. And you know, where does someone like me pop in there? Where does the newbie pop in there? You know, because you are green. Where do you get your experience? Well, you get it in a student film. Well, if you only do student films, no one takes you seriously. So it's just it's so it's such a hard business. I don't really wish it for anyone, but some people get really lucky, and you know you can have fun doing these independent films, and you know make a little bit of money or no money at all, and meet some great people.
0: Yeah, sometimes it. I you get to a point where it's like if I am if. I ever do like a big time studio picture, it's like it's definitely for the paycheck. But sometimes it's like, you know, definitely for the paycheck. I won't, I won't bullshit about that. It's it's definitely about hey, oh, they're offering me three hundred thousand per, you know, for a role. I'm like. 300 grand okay that, that could get that, you know that pays off a couple of things but
1: well you see a lot of people do that it seems like a lot of big actors are doing it for the paycheck because the movie ends up being really flat and their characters are really flat and it's not going anywhere like i I was a stand-in on dead ant or not dead ant, i was in dead ant on ant-man i was a stand-in and for evangeline lily and i was talking with um, michael's character and it was just him on the day that we were filming it was just him so he's just basically this talking head no one's around him it's all green screen essentially and no one's acting with him he doesn't have any of his co-stars acting with him and you can see that in these big movies like avengers you can just feel it there's like nothing there's no play there's no emotion it's just like you know i'm captain america and we're gonna save the day oh i'm this and we're gonna and it's just like these like talking heads that really don't feel like i'm watching anything Like I watched his house last night. It's a horror film, kind of a psychological thriller. Hmm. It is worth watching. But the acting was something that was so pure, that felt so real and so simple and so honest. And I'm really glad that you know it's on Netflix, so it's easy to easy access. Oh,
0: okay.
1: So many layers to it, and so many different elements to each character, and, and that's what I love. But I mean, who knows how much money they made. They probably made a good paycheck, but some of these big ones, you know, it just feels like it's just all about money and not about the craft, and it can get frustrated. I, I think even Martin Scorsese made a comment about that. Like he was...
0: Yeah, uh, the Martin Scorsese has uh, been a very big deflector of, uh, I want to say studio films, but more like the long lines of comic uh, well when i think of comic movies they're very formulaic and, and it gets whereas like a lot of this stuff uh, looks good especially uh you know take a recent example like today uh, disney just released uh their cruel de bell you know teaser i'm looking at it, i'm like this is basically their version of joker and i'm like hmm. it's it's literally the same beat for beat for beat whereas it's like we all know what's gonna happen with Corella Deville. You know, her name is Corella Deville. It's like you don't need well, like an origin story for a person named that. You know. Mm-hmm. I
1: should
0: look into it. I didn't. I
1: didn't know that was out yet.
0: I'll look at it. Yeah, and it, it looks good. It it looks good, but it's like you kind of feel like you know what's gonna happen by looking at the trailer. But yeah. And, and and since you mentioned horror movies, I will talk about it in a couple of moments. But. It, it, it's weird how, it, like, nowadays there are trailers now that are, that you know, they're trying to, like, do new movies and all that stuff, and sometimes the trailers, they make it good, but when you watch the movie, it's like, it's very standard by-the-books formula, all that stuff. It's like, it doesn't really yeah. new to the table. And whatever that new to the table is like, somehow it's like, oh, wow, it's like that person might get an Oscar nominated thing, even though it's like, how? It's like that, that, like that character was so flat that it's like, but okay, I kind of say it's that person acting there. It's like, <laughs> you give that person an Oscar. No, It's like, okay, I can understand that. But the character was so flat. I was like, how can you, how can that person be Oscar nominated for that role if that was like, if it was just that role? So it's, and again, it's brand it record. was
1: like a little game, huh? That we're not like privy to the instructions or something. It's like the rules are unbeknownst to us because it just seems like like I don't want to say that for all films like for me I think the Joker was very monumental I think it was beautifully shot beautifully executed the character work the costumes the lighting everything just really flowed and it was just really deep um and but there are some other films where I watch them and I think you know I've I've done some small budget indie films that I think are just as good but they'll never be seen and I just really feel like you said, just like where where did it go? It's super flat. I think, like I said, I think it's like this game of just these big time names. You know, I just it, it feels rigged to me. It just always feels rigged. I think a lot of people feel this way. And I think that's why they're making such a fuss about it, making it more um multiculturally diverse. And you know, when I threw in Parasite last year, it was like, hey, did you really just throw it in or did you really honestly want it there? Like it was really good, but was that just to please the masses, just for a second, because it just seems like it's just riddled with old white men, male directors. Obviously, Natalie Portman has stood up for the female directors who haven't been nominated, and it just to me, it does feel like I'm tired of playing this game. I'm tired of trying yeah. to fit in this bullshit of a mold like everyone else is and not getting anywhere. There's no art anymore, it's just a job, you know. And that's yeah, and- what I'm we come for the art. We come for the musings. We come for the truth, the depth of the character work. And you see it, you're seeing it more now because there's more avenues for people to come out at with Hulu and Netflix and Amazon and Shutter. You know, it's not just trying to make it to the theaters anymore. You can actually get something, you know, out there.
0: Oh, uh, now that you mentioned Shudder, uh, a quick the thing. This is not a plug, but Shudder is a great horror-related uh, streaming service. You get to watch a lot of stuff on there. Uh, so, yeah, uh, but to close this point before we go switch this topic to horror, uh, it, it, it's sort of like what the says you just said before is like, you know, a lot more things is like it's – no one really cares about the art of the film anymore. It's like it's more along the lines of it being too saturated with formula. Yeah. And the more people are more used to that, it's more or less okay with people because people seem to like everything being the same as it was. But if it's like something ejected something, as long as they inject something new to that formula, you know, uh, I don't want to go into a big thing, but Star Wars is a very, a very big thing. It's like. People really don't like it when they try and inject something new. They rather have something new, like something new with something old. But when they don't like that, and then they were, and then Disney's like, okay, what we can, what we, what can we do? It's like, okay, we'll do a little TV show about you know a, a side character name, you know, a, a character they never heard of, and then suddenly that's what everybody loves. And then when there's like can we get that onto film now it's like it, it's definitely one of those things where it's like the like it, it's weird because i think there are studios who are trying to listen to their fans but at the same time producers are the ones who are the ones who essentially be like no nah, I'm, I'm like we could listen to fans another time we need to have we need to sell this movie and uh-huh. And that's where it like, essentially boils down to is essentially selling this movie. And like you said before, it's like mm-hmm. there are great independent movies, but sometimes these independent movies are not sold to the masters and just like quietly released like to 20 theaters or maybe even 100 theaters or something like that. And then people don't really see this because you know it's like it's at where it was quietly released because it's a small independent movie. Yeah, well, I also
1: think there's so much content out there too that everything's just utterly that too it's
0: like it, it you know trying to watch a netflix uh, tv series is hard because one they seem to add, have added like almost like an extra 20 minutes to everything to where it's like now it's like people are just like like if this was like a few years ago i'd be just so used to like oh okay it's an hour show just sit back relax and by, by, by the time it's like the end of the day i'm practically done with the episode but now i mean not episode of uh, the season the show, I should say, and then now it's just like I could only watch like maybe two or three episodes of, of this of, of these Netflix shows before I go, okay, I'm done now. Well, what else can I do? When...
1: And <laughs> but yeah, I, that's why I really like watching old movies, like, I, I, I'm into like. You know, just older movies. I know some of them are very formula as well, but I do like a lot of the nineties films or even 1950s films. Like I like to go back because I feel like there was something else involved with it. It doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't feel like they're playing down to me. Like all these new movies that are just narrated too. I'm like, I don't need a narrator. I don't want to be narrated too. I want to see it and explore and move with the story myself. Stop fucking narrating to me. Like so many movies are doing that now too. And that bothers me. And I think like the new It movies were like, I just I just don't know what I was looking at, like a magazine. You know what I mean? I felt like I was just being fed garbage. The same with Aquaman. Like, I was just like, what is this? this is, is, how fast did you turn this around? And it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to like diss anyone's work because I really oh, no. do admire everyone. I think everyone works really hard. Obviously, there's a lot of people involved um, that go into making a movie, period. Like, so you have to respect that. We, I really don't know how big, big movies are made. If it is up to the producers or what, I don't think people are listening to the fans. Um, a lot of times it does come down to money. It does yeah. come down to actors' time because a lot of times the actors are like, "Hey, I'm five million dollars. You get me for three hours." And then you're like, "Oh shit! You know, we got to make this picture and we got to put it together and we only have three hours with her. Like, bring her in quickly." And it's just like, you know, and I've had that in my films. Like, I there are some actors that show up and we get like literally 30 minutes with them and I can't even act with them I'm like okay they're doing it and you just put me in later like it's 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 a money it's a numbers game it's a money game and that's what it feels like it is it's who can bring in the most money what's going to get us the most money how can we do it in the least amount of time where can we skimp on money you know and and then I think it affects the overall picture and that's why it does does. and and then it bothers me and people think that like small budgeted, like independent films. Sometimes they're successful if there's a right name attached, but they get overlooked because there's not a big name in it, or the money wasn't big, or it didn't go here, here, here. People start to like put a label or judge these things without really giving them time or honoring people's time that they put into it.
0: Yeah. Uh, like, a great example of an independent movie being successful is a horror movie, which is how it John Carpenter's Halloween. John Taween, you know, at the time, Jamie Jeremy Lee Curtis wasn't a big star. Uh, John Carpenter wasn't a big star in terms of directing. You know, he had essentially a no-name cast. Uh, no one really knew who this guy was. And then suddenly, this movie just essentially springboarded into uh, essentially not only launching his career, but also Jamie Lee Curtis' career and also everyone else. So it, it definitely help sometimes when there when there is a small independent movie that essentially springboards the same thing uh like paranormal activity i remember Mm, like years ago when the first yeah when the first movie came out i was like i watched it was like okay it's a found footage movie i'm like i really don't like the found footage aspect but watching this it was like okay maybe they have something there and then You know, after the third or fourth movie, after the third movie, you know, it has the whole notion of you know becoming too like they like they lose the okay. This is a little great for me, but especially with a horror series, and this is the horror me. This is the horror fan coming out. It's like when you try and do a movie that's like a franchise, and by the third, fourth movie, you start adding lore to it, and sometimes the lore works. But sometimes it doesn't really work because, you know, less about the villain, the more scary the villain is. Like that's mm-hmm. Michael Myers was so scary without you knowing him. He, oh, in one franchise, he was the the, the brother of Laurie Strode. Freddy Krueger, you don't know why he was burned aside from, oh, he killed a couple of children and the parents did all that, you know. Jason Voorhees, he's scary because you know he's the, you know a lost kid. he his mother so forth and so on. But there are again I, I don't want to go into a whole uh, danger mm-hmm. because uh, once there's a horror series that goes in like past like four movies or so or maybe past three movies, they start adding more and more to the lore and it's like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, mm-hmm. sometimes it's like less is better. But speaking. Mm-hmm. Of horror movies, <laughs> this is a uh-huh. this is a great diversion. <laughs>
1: it's
0: like ah, finally I have something to actually talk about. Horror movies, <laughs>
1: horror movies,
0: yay! As my background cannot be so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so how did you get into? Uh, okay, first question: Were you a big fan of horror movies growing up? Uh, growing up, or was that something that you kind of like just hopped on to growing into the notion of late later in life was like okay i could i could work in a horror movie that sort of thing
1: <laughs> i love horror movies they're one of my favorite genres to be honest like i when i was i think five i was watching child's play and you know afraid of chucky and you know it the clown it what it was called it wasn't it yeah pennywise movie. yeah that was um one of the earlier films i saw too when i was still a kid like you know, I shouldn't be watching these things, but I did. And I just, I really, I don't know. I just, same reason I like tattoos. I just feel like something. So when I'm watching horror movies, you get that adrenaline rush and you're afraid. And then like, it sticks with you too. So you're like afraid to go down in the basement and you're afraid to go in your closet. And it just like adds this fear. And it's so ridiculous. Um, Not anymore. Now that I'm an actor and I understand more metaphysics and physics and acting. I, I don't, not as afraid anymore but you know i love that fear i really loved possession movies yeah um, like the exorcist and exorcism of emily rose and the right and the devil inside like i love those kind of films they're just um really fun for me to watch and they're the easiest book if you're willing to get naked and i'm willing to get naked because to me it's just a body and I'm not ashamed of my body, so I get naked. And that's what got me the roles. So essentially, um, you know, I think that's kind of where maybe I got a little held in that stigma as well. It's like, she's a naked girl in horror movies, but at the same time, that's kind of a, a segue to get in into acting. If you're, you're cool with being an actor, you're like this blank slate, like you're able to do everything that the role requires you to do, you know you'll get hired but that's kind of what i think projected me into acting in horror films was the fact that i was willing to show my tips but honestly i still love them i love being covered in blood it's kind of shitty but it's fun i love the prosthetics like i love working with um practical effects to me, I think it's it's some it's more fun. There's always something new on set. There's always something exciting. I give just I've always had fun doing or, or more than any other film.
0: Uh, yeah, speaking of blood and flash I I do remember that there are several characters in your horror lineage, like horror filmography, where they do die. At, I don't want to say gruesome death, but at least gruesome in the sake of uh, what the MPAA can allow. <laughs> that they could show on film. Uh, I because I I do remember in Silent Night, your character you know, like ends up essentially hiding in a what what was it a uh, a wood? I
1: get, I get thrown in the wood
0: chipper. Yeah, you get thrown in the wood chipper, and I'm like, I'm watching. I'm like, okay, I can I can see how this is this could be. Like hard to do on a, a film, but I'm pretty just like oh you know it's like that you just shot like maybe like you they just you know like I was just like outside one thing and 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 another another camera just like showing all this stuff being spewed. In terms of like when your character has to die and all that stuff, what is the process of essentially okay, uh, you know it's like I, I love being on this film, but now it's my now it's like now my character has to die in a very gruesome horror death. Like, what is the process of essentially, as an horror actor, to go through all that stuff, especially, even if it's just a small role, where it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm just like cop two, and cop two gets shot in the head, and or three gets, like, stabbed in the throat, or something like that.
1: You just kind of, you make do with what you have, like, in your imaginary circumstances, and you just make it real. Um, if there's, like, crime scene or something you have to earn your death so basically if you have a more meatier part you you build up to it to like earn that death it's not so like so that the audience can feel it with you and be like oh wow she's dying this is horrible like you make a moment you feel it And like really honor that moment with you. But if it's something quick like Silent Night where you don't really get to know my character, I'm sort of like this junkie on a bed doing nude photography and then I run from deranged Santa Claus. It's, you have to just, you know, make that fight for survival, really instinctive and true and honest. And that's what also makes it fun too because we always as humans dapple with the idea of us dying at any moment, at any time. And a lot of people are afraid of death. And so when you're embodying that as an actor or a character in the scene, it's frightening, your adrenaline spikes, you know, you're, you're super afraid, you're, your fight or flight is going and you're just like, what can I do? And, and you have to make that real in these imaginative circumstances. So, you know, even if you're just cop number two that's getting shot, you know, it's, it's real for you because yeah. honestly, I'm someone that really does bond, not bond necessarily, but watch the extras in a film, like the background really does make the scene. And if a background member is just phoning it in or being ridiculous in the background, it ruins it for me. I can see it and I get taken out and I'm like, I probably even know that person, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, for a death, you really have to just embody what it feels like to fight for your life because your life is something that you would fight for in reality. So how would you fight for it as your character? And and they're really fun. They are, they are fun to do because you're, you're dealing with something that's very real that could happen that someone might actually be going through too i mean and then, there are serial killers out there so someone could be you know put up on antlers hopefully not but
0: and then there are like horror movies where it's like oh it's it's like my, one of my friends suggested me to watch like years ago the movie zombievers and i was like and there are movies like, and there's a movie where it's like oh you're being a Attacked by a zombie beaver i'm like okay this could happen maybe i'm not sure like,
1: <laughs> well yeah didn't someone recently get like their arm bit off by a beaver i think it was like right after our movie came out there was someone in canada that was fishing or doing something with their kayak or something and a beaver attack <laughs> it's like now it's not a like like fear of zombie beavers is actually like real you could be like afraid of freaking beavers don't be afraid
0: yeah. of beavers yeah. them people. Oh yeah. yeah. They're just territorial, so, you know. But yeah. I, all iron also just territorial in, in, in that respect. But yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely unless your character is a uh a villain or just an asshole character, people like ah I don't know, this character this bites it but it's if, it's a, if it's a character that's like maybe one and done where it's just like they only have like maybe a couple of lines mm-hmm. like, and it kind of like just kills for the sake of you know they need a body count to be you know and that's only and that has been you know a notion of horror movies is that oh sometimes it's like you know th- this movie is like maybe 80 minutes long but we could Make, you know make another extra 10 minutes of just adding an, an extra two bodies just to make sure it's like oh we have you know more bodies that account all that stuff so horror movies are it's hard to understand sometimes it's like sometimes the, you know it's like these horror movies are there just to get for the body count and then you know like that one and done people whereas it's like oh it's like this character is like very like you kind of want to know more of that character, and then suddenly they're gone because you know this this kill has to be merciless or something like that. They need to have a, like right. a, a rising body count or more or less. And yeah, it, it, but as an actor, it, it has to be fun to essentially be. Well, I wouldn't say fun because it depends on the the type of death, but also the type of uh, the the situation behind that death. Because if it's like if your character's nude, you have to probably be nude for almost the entire day, just being soaked with blood, all that stuff. And then once you're done with it, mm-hmm. they wash you off and like, was that good? You may have to go again. And it's like, it might be in like 20 <laughs> degree weather, or it might be in 30, uh, 40 degree weather or something like that. And it's like, mm-hmm. sometimes the circumstances have to allow you as like, uh, it, it definitely has to do, and especially if you're filming on the woods somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. A lot of difficulty right there. It's like the woods just yeah. its like try filming on the woods well something that, you know one.
1: Well, like sawing beavers was very very cold, and we were covered in. Well, I was covered in blood, so I couldn't cover up, or else I would ruin the makeup. So I'm just standing out there freezing. You know, everyone's behind heaters and all bundled, and of course I'm the half-naked chick. It has to run covered in blood. And it was like, I think, 30 degrees up at the Disney Ranch in Santa Clarita, California. And it was really cold. And then in Dead Ant, I'm running naked. I was running and running and running. I'm like, how many more times do I have to freaking run? Don't we have it? And um, it was around 110 degrees. So it was super hot. So I've done both really, really hot and really, really cold. And... um, I filmed in Wisconsin recently in the winter, and I did not know what winter was like until I went to Wisconsin. That winter is hell. Like, I mean, cars were buried, and thankfully my character was clothed in this movie, but my co-star, she was in this tiny little white romper covered in blood on the ground, and since I'm the only seasoned actor on the damn movie, I was like, someone needs to cover her up because she's freezing and everyone else is warm, cuddled in blankets and waiting and talking and dicking around while well, she's over there. Let's roll. We got to roll, you know? And, and that's the thing too, is like a lot of new actors don't know how to stand up for themselves or be like, hey, my tits are out. I'm covered in blood. Let's get going. You know, you have to sometimes take the lead, the role of like an assistant director if they're not doing their job, especially on low budget. Yeah. movies where it can get a little, you know, unorganized. And then, uh, you know, some bigger. Budget movie is going to be that way because everyone wants to go into overtime and make more money. So everyone's going really slow. Let me put this light up really slowly. You know, let me just. <laughs> and you're sitting here like I'm freezing. Like, let's get going. You know, and if you don't have a trailer, or your trailer is too far away, or you know, you can't cover up. You just have to make do with what's going on. And
0: yeah. It... And, and
1: some... <laughs> Various situations where you know your life really is at risk at that point. I mean, you don't know if you could freeze. You don't know if you're going to get heat stroke. You don't know. I mean, you don't know what you could be doing to yourself just to try to make a movie happen.
0: Yeah, I remember there is a uh, interesting story around the the Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. They had this scene where one of the, the girls, is, you know, she's laying naked in a lake. You know, she's on the raft, and. It, and they're shooting at night, and of course, is like freezing at anything. So she's like freezing at the same time. And Jason, the, the actor who played Jason at the time, he was like really upset because one, you know, you have to do this scene where, you know, the character gets uh, essentially impaled behind, you know, impaled on the wrap like this. So she's laying there and she has to get pale like that. And she's freezing at the same time. It, it's amazing how when the lead villain has to put his foot down. And the lead villain is also probably the most seasonal actor there because he's also like the pilot start uh, store creator too. So there's that too. So it definitely feels like there is a notion of not only is, you know, the newbies, they don't know about all this, you know, it's like, oh, it's like this role will probably require, it. because I've actually seen, uh, you know, uh, Cash and is like, oh, this role requires nudity and all that stuff. And like, mm-hmm. I have no roles yet that will, will require me to be half naked or naked at all. At all. So it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable at that point yet. So why would I be comfortable at that point yet if I'm not comfortable yet? If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it definitely feels like th- th- there needs to be more of a stance on the ground. And And since you just mentioned recently filming... So, yeah, I have to bring up the elf in the room. Uh, COVID, how you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, tell me how the experience were you. You don't have to go into a full on effect, but especially with this film coming out, you don't have to sell any details about that. But from a production standpoint, how has it changed compared to like a, a previous film?
1: Yeah. Um. So I filmed three films last year. One was right at the height of COVID, like right when it first started, so we had to shut down. So the thing with that is you're, you're missing locations because now locations don't want to um, serve you essentially because of the fear of having too many people or production there. So they, you know, now you don't have locations that you used to have. So that's a problem with that. As far as the other films, um It was just like taking a COVID test every day, getting your temperature checked every day, like everybody's in masks or face shields and then the actors aren't because you'll mess up the makeup. So essentially we can't put anything on. Um, But yeah, it just felt like you have less crew. um, So you're kind of wearing more hats, even as an actor, like in an independent film, because that's what I do mostly, you're also helping with costumes, you're also making sure makeup's on point, you're also, you know, you're, you're wearing all these different hats to make sure everything's working, or you're yeah. handling your own props, because Props Master can't handle your props for you once you've touched them, you know, so you're you're having to do more things and just focus on your role. Um, and, yeah, everything is just, it's more wasteful, to be honest, because now everything's packaged in your own package, so, and everything, you can't have just, like, a vegetable tray out in a about anymore you have to have everything individually packaged and yeah um, a lot of directions didn't want to do dishes or anything like that so they had so much styrofoam I brought my own plates and silverware I always do um but yeah I just I the whole COVID thing and filming was really frustrating one because I was so tired of getting tested um two like you, you can't hear anyone when they're wearing masks. So you're like, what did you say? <laughs> like a repeat? Because I didn't catch it. And we were in Big Bear though. So it was really nice. We were outside. So sometimes people would, you know, if they're far enough away would feel a little better to take their mask off. But most of the time we yeah. kept, everyone have it on just because it was cold as hell. <laughs> so so a lot of night shoots. But yeah, I mean, other than that, it's, it's not terrible besides just, I guess, the, I don't know, my, my co-star and I, or my photographer friend and I were laughing because he was saying like my co-star and I would have to like fake a kissing scene. He's like, I'll shoot it really wide, or really far away. And you guys just pretend to kiss and I'll just get the backs of your heads. And we were laughing and I was just like, that's funny. But you know, once you get tested, you're obviously feeling comfortable with your co-star. So you're engaging in any activity that's necessary yeah. for the story. Um, And you're hoping that your co-star is doing every precaution that you're doing so that you feel safe. But, you know, honestly, I I feel like a lot of the fear around it is in your mind and you can overcome that and can really influence your body and the way that your body heals too, with the way that you think and the way that you behave and believe. And I think if you believe that you're going to be sick and you believe that you have a weak immune system, then that's true. But if you believe that you're a strong, powerful human, that's also true. because our cells have trillions of cells that react to our thoughts every every single time we have a thought so if you're thinking negative your cells are reacting to that your body will literally make you sick if you allow it to be sick and your body will literally keep you healthy if you allow it to keep you healthy and that's that's a fact that's scientifically proven obviously if you really did get you know a, a serious disease maybe thinking it away doesn't absolutely help all the time but what i'm saying is if we're sitting as an actor afraid of our co-star, one, it's gonna translate on screen. And two, you are gonna make yourself rigid and you're not gonna keep a harmonic balance in your body and you're gonna invite sickness into your body. So yeah. that's, I don't know, I just felt like just be really open and free and, and protect myself, take the right precautions, the right vitamins and have the right mindset and just really get into the character where knowing and trusting that we were all tested and basically quarantined in Big Bear because we were all tested and then brought up to this um, Airbnb where all of us stayed and we weren't allowed to leave. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it definitely feels like it's much more of a, I don't want to say painstakingly uh, process now, but it's much more of a, like a precise process where it's just like, it's like... It, What's weird is, like, I, I will be watching, not films, but at least TV shows that have, have been, like, filmed, uh, like, with this, like, you could tell these things were, like, filmed, like, way, like, just, like, maybe a couple of months ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's weird because, it, like, there will be soap operas that I'm, you know, that that'll be on the TV, and I'm, like, I noticed that a lot of these people would be, like, they would be staying so far away that they wouldn't be, like, sitting so close to each other, and, like, I noticed, like, for some, and then they would be, like, Television shows that would have at least, you know, people like not close together, but still close together to have like a notion of them being close together. They're still like maybe a couple of feet apart. They're like maybe like a, a foot or so apart instead of them being. Yeah, it
1: doesn't seem like it fits the script either. You're like, what is this? Do- what are they doing? It doesn't make sense, and you have to wonder if it is COVID related. I, I was thinking the same thing. It um,
0: was, yeah, because uh, like. The Equalizer just, like, premiered on CBS uh, a couple weeks ago, and there's this scene where these two characters are walking down the Coney Island boardwalk, and they're, like, almost, like, a photo show apiece from each other, and and that doesn't feel like it's natural. They should be at least closer together, but because of, you know, uh, know, uh, regulations and whatnot, they may be happening, like, okay, like, they have to be at least, okay, like, a photo show together instead of being, like, this close together.
1: So, maybe, yeah. Something to it,
0: look into. It, it definitely feels weird looking at stuff now, especially where it's just like you kind of like show used to have people being so close together or people and then they will be like shows where it's just like they're like almost like a foot apart or maybe even a whole stage apart or a whole room apart where it's like for some reason they, that's just out for some reason. But yeah, it it, it definitely feels like Maybe on the independent scene it's like it's more painstakingly precise whereas like maybe on the on a more budgeted uh, TV show or film it's much more like precise but runs much more efficiently and it depends on uh, it just depends on the production maybe
1: well it costs more money too so it depends oh, on, yeah it does depend on the production because you know the movie that got shut down last March. Was we were trying to redo it, and it was just like, now we have to pay all this money to have a set medic on set and have all these different rules and regulations for COVID and for testing. And they were like, you know, we don't have the money anymore because now our budget went from here to like here because yeah. we have to pay for all this, this stuff. And like I said, it is really wasteful, it, it's more costly, it's more wasteful. And you know, it, and you don't know if your co stars have done the proper you know.
0: Treatment or, you know, procedures. That,
1: yeah. Like, yeah, like wash your hands after, whatever. But like I said, the fear is there too. I think we need to rise above the fear. And I, I don't think SAG needed to go so extreme with money because then you're really hurting these independent films that don't have the money to buy, to get a set medic and to get all these new things. I mean, you can make it work um, without that, I think. But um, that's because I've done a lot of really low-budget movies, and you make it work. But, you know, I, I, I hope it changes soon. But at the same time, it's been great because, like I said, all auditions have been Much online. Yeah, self-tape. So I've been able to audition more than normal. Because I'm in Colorado, so I don't actively pursue acting anymore unless I get offered roles, which I have four movies coming up and they were all pushed to this year because of COVID, and they were all pushed to May. So I'm hoping that they're not all at the same time in May, so I can do all of them, because like I said, there's four of them. I'd like to do all four and not have to choose.
0: Yeah, if it's going to be pushed like for me, it's like yeah, chances are depending on the the, like, which is odd because there are notions of me wanting to do movie like I want to try and you know, try and film a couple of things this year, especially uh, as a, a quasi filmmaker or something like that. And I'm just trying to figure out not only time placement, also can I film enough with the script that I have rather than just being like, oh, I have X amount of time. And summer's probably gonna be the nicest place to do it because one, it's hot. It's also bright out. You know, you can still film around like seven o'clock at night and still feel like the afternoon. So it definitely has a lot more value just film around or around the summertime or during the summertime and close towards the end of summertime rather than, you know, mm-hmm. a ho- hopefully those four films don't come out of blue say, hey, <laughs> all four things we need you to do within, four, like, can you do four things? like,
1: and that always seems to happen to me too. You get all these offers and they're all perfectly aligned and like one right after the other or something. And then suddenly it's all, all like at the same time. Um, yeah. So back in October, I had three films that were layered on top of each other scheduling wise. And I was like, well, I have to choose. But then one got pushed because of COVID. Another one got pushed because they were changing the script. So it's was like, oh, perfect. So then I just did the one. So that worked out now those both push to May so you know like I said I four pictures I really appreciate you guys if you can separate them out so I can do all four
0: it's really the same thing with uh with college is like I remember there were times where it's like oh I would have like almost like four tests like back to back to back I'm like just oh uh, I know always like oh it's like a ta- it'd be like a test or an essay or something like that and I'm just like I'm just like one day I'm just not doing all this stuff and then
1: I know I'm over that over college
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I keep on getting I I keep on getting alerts like hey do you want to go to grad school I'm like no I don't want to go to grad (laughs) maybe in 10 years but not now yeah Uh, but yeah uh, I think I think we oh wow we talked for a while now Uh, (laughs) but we talked about a, a great discussion about Stuff about uh, stuff about not only what's it like being in the the Hollywood scene, or rather, just being in the Highwood the circuit. There we go. Uh, the uh, the notions of filming now, especially at least within the, at least with your experience with the past couple of films, or at least with that stuff, and of course uh, the notion of what it is being like uh, being a horror actor and it's, it sounds like it's a very fun job, and I really do want to go into horror movies. It's just that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh, I do huh?
1: Horror is great. You can do a lot with a little money, and you know, the right prosthetics, the right special effects, and the right makeup team. You know, you can really make horror do, you can do horror really well and easy fun. It is fun, unless you uh, are blonde and you get covered in blood. <laughs> Like
0: it just stains everything. Uh, yeah. I, I, that, that's like the one area of expert, the one area of film where just like I would have so much fun just being a horror director. It's trying, it's like, trying to make people less scary on set, but still trying to make people scary on set. So I was like, <laughs> it's, 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 fake. Just don't worry about it. Uh, I do have three questions left. They're very short, easy ones. One, do you have any advice to those who are watching or listening? especially if they are actors, actresses, performers, what have you, going into the performing arts field, especially especially now?
1: Hmm. Um, as far as being an actor um, or, or just getting into directing or just filmmaking or theater in general, it does, I think, take someone who isn't fully green. So essentially that means starting with student films and starting with um, like small community theater. I think that's really important and valuable. It helps you build your reel, helps you build your credits on your resume. I think that's some place to start for sure and getting into an acting class because not only that, you're networking with other actors who also are screenwriters, who also are directors, or who also know so and so. So acting classes really are a valuable resource. Right now, there's a lot of classes going on, but it is via Zoom as far as I am aware. Um, most of it's all online right now until things start to open up again but if you want to pursue it i would say get creative on youtube and instagram and tiktok because that's how you gain a following and that's how you can start as well
0: uh second question Uh, even though you just mentioned films uh, that you already passed are there any films that are in the pipeline to be released within the next couple of that are ready to be released that aren't really like like they have a release date in mind.
1: Yeah. So um, two right now. Um, it would be three if we didn't get shut down. But yeah. <laughs> so one of them is called Two Cents from a Pariah. Um, like two pennies, two cents from a pariah. That is coming out this spring. That doesn't actually have a definitive date, but it is this spring. It did get distribution. It's a really cute movie. Um, it's a relationship between a father and daughter and it's just sort of how they're rebuilding it. So it's actually a good movie and I don't keep my clothes on actually. I do take my top off in that movie, damn it. But also there's Beyond Paranormal, which is coming out in April that also got distribution. That one's gonna be a really fun one. We have some good names in that film. Um, It's a pretty exciting horror film. I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So there might be some bloody scenes and that as well and that's coming out in april so keep your eye out for beyond paranormal and two cents from a pariah all
0: right and the last one is fairly easy uh do you have any social media that you want to plug
1: yeah so you can follow me on instagram i'm at vegan underscore actress mostly acting mostly sexy pictures fun pictures hiking pictures and vegan of course (laughs) because i'm trying to spread the message of why it's important to eat light foods and save our environment and help your body and obviously care for our animal brothers and sisters on this planet. Um, We need to be in a homeostasis type of environment and we're not. We're totally out of balance. So that's stuff I talk about on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter, CourtneyPalm5. I'm also on OnlyFans if you're interested. That's adult only. Don't go there if you don't want to see anything crazy. And yeah, I kind of gave up on TikTok. I don't even know what I am on TikTok, but I'm there too. I have some fun videos of my dear friends, um, like animals. There's this buff that I'm friends with, and I have a couple of videos of them on there. All right. Uh, I,
0: I think anybody who does want to... Uh, I think what you just said before, and there's a good notion to end on, uh, I think that Social Media is going to be a new influencing... Presence in the next couple of years, if not already, is now. And
1: yeah, it already is.
0: Yeah, it, it already is. And, and and and, but at least if you are making stuff on uh, on Instagram or YouTube, such as myself, even though this is an interview show, uh, just make it entertaining or at least informative. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: All right. Uh, yeah. That was uh, that was this episode. Uh, thank you, Miss Palm, for being on the show. And. Thank you.